They put me on probation and told me that if I didn't straighten up in 90 days, I would have to be let go. I listened and I totally understood the trauma that had happened to this person. But I had to tell the truth and I had to ask, well, what's your game plan now? Hey, this is Michelle Spiva. You're a practical priestess of wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we get into This Is Why You Got Fired. I'll see you soon. I'm doing this podcast today because, frankly, I am a bit fed up. I keep hearing similar stories like the one on the A part over and over again. Usually it is someone who is uh, distraught because a job that they are on uh, either it doesn't well, it doesn't even matter if they've just started or if they've been there for a while. There comes a time when performance reviews have come up and someone with authority and power over them says that they're not delivering on the job that they were hired to do. I've also noticed this. Now, I'm going to say this. I am not really into the reality shows, but I did catch myself watching uh, one recently um, because I just thought they were totally adorable. It was on Netflix and um, I forget, Styling Hollywood, I think is the name of it. And uh, it's about this couple who owns a uh, styling and an interior decorating uh, company. And one of them has a uh, stylist assistant. And I I watched it and I, I actually was like, hmm, I think this is a trope. Now, you guys know that because I'm a writer, I do tend to see things from that standpoint. So let me just tell you quickly, uh, a trope is a, a situation that is uh, a pattern it uh you so such that you should be able to recognize it when you see it um and i'm just saying that i'm not trying to dumb it down i know you guys probably already know what a trope is but you know just to be on the safe side but anyway um i was watching the show and i was like wait a minute this is a trope they probably this is probably somewhat scripted has to be. And the reason why I say that is because it seems like there is this um, assistant trope or this employee trope where the assistant has uh, kind of like a a diva attitude or they are highly timid and highly anxious. And they seem to not have the common sense gene. And this is not to to bash the person that was in this show because I thought he was a lovely person. It was just that I was like shaking my head because over and over again, they showed um, where the assistant didn't think past the instructions and they didn't know how to anticipate uh, possible problems. And thus it became very frustrating to the person uh who was depending on his assistant to help him with some of the things uh, during a very uh, make or break kind of uh, high drama and high deadline time. And I looked at that and I was like, hmm, I know this. And it got me to thinking about not one, not two, 
not even 10. When I say that I am hearing this over and over again out here in these streets about people who are on the verge of being let go from their jobs or who are um, scared about the economy and, and even how to make themselves more appealing to people, I was like, there's got to be something to this. Now, I wish I could tell you uh, that it was as neat and tidy as I had hoped it to be. You know, I even went through and looked to see, okay, counting on my fingers, not my toes, but just my fingers and trying to see if there were any stats from Pew Research or anything like that. You know, I worked with this hypothesis and I know I have taught you guys about the different methods that you can work with, you know, whether it's scientific method, data method, you know, all these other things. Focus, Michelle, focus. Okay. (laughs) Sorry about that. Well, anyway, I worked with this hypothesis that maybe it is because uh, people from a different generation, uh, and when I say a different one, I'm actually talking about the millennials. Uh, the millennials, the older, oldest millennials are old enough to have received a few promotions by now and are managers. And it could be that Generation uh, X is not doing too well being managed by the millennials. And I'll say this, at this particular time, I was not able to conclusively say that that was the issue. I just wasn't. But what I will say is this, and that is that with the advent of the internet and um, the walls of communication and the distance becoming non-existent because of this technology, we are truly in a time where people are drowning in information. Yeah, I said it. And that means that I get to talk about one of my favorite quotes, one of the quotes that uh, I use as a pillar for this very podcast. So here we go. E.O. Wilson has said many years ago, he said that we are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. The world henceforth will be run by synthesizers, people who are able to put together the right information at the right time. Like critically, I mean, thinking critically about it and are able to make important choices wisely. And I don't like to ram that down anybody's throat. (laughs) But what I'm gonna say is E.O. Wilson's words have come to pass. And the reason why I talk about this drowning in information is because people have got to be able to think both critically as well as now intuitively. Yeah. And that is one of the things that I was noticing with this assistant trope that I was talking about with this show. As as well as some of the personal uh, stories that I have heard from people who are having issues at their jobs. And so with that, um, I want to talk about some of the things that, you know, we can gain wisdom over to help us to not have to fear about that. And I'm saying that us to be nice because y'all know I, my boss, meaning me, <laughs> she's hard too. And I have to always, you know, make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to. So I'm going to throw myself in there as well. But if nothing else, I want to use the next few minutes that we have together to give you some food for thought, hopefully make you go, hmm, and maybe even help you go, aha. So let's get into it. 
All right, so here are the notes and I'm gonna just give them to you now. One of the things that you could do right now if you want to make sure that you don't get fired if you work for someone else is understand that you have to not only be able to critically think, meaning that you are able to think logically, you're able to take evidence and clues and follow and do what you need to. You also have to be able to be this intuitive thinker. Um, I'm going to I'm going to talk about just real quick a show. And I don't know why I'm talking about TV so much because I don't even have a TV, but uh, there was this show. And when it first came out, it was groundbreaking. And the name of the show was CSI, Crime Scene Investigation. This was the original, the OG. And I remember watching it with my mouth hanging open. I remember Grissom being this methodical scientist who he would look at things and he would be like, I don't care about feelings. He was like, the evidence will always show us what we need. And they would show these montages. And that's what really got people. This was kind of like watching Matrix on the TV. And they would show these, these um, montages of zooming in to microscopic levels to show all the evidence that he would have to use a little bitty tweezer to get or a uh, toothpick. Uh, <laughs> with a little cotton ball on it to get. It was really exciting. But what I wanted to highlight here was that what he did with his critical thinking was he became the most powerful person that he could with the skills he had because he was able to extrapolate all emotion, to be able to follow um, a path and, and be strong enough to follow it wherever it led. Now, in that same show, and this was the brilliance of that show, on the, in that same show, they had his counterpart who was named Catherine, and she represented the intuitive thinking. Yes, she knew everything that he knew, all the policies and procedures of how they did their jobs, but she also would have this way of having a gut feeling. And you knew Catherine, Catherine was not using logic a lot of times when she would stop, cock her eye, look up to the sky a little bit and say, you know, I'm going to go back and check something. I'll see you later. I'm going to go back. I'll, I'll be here tonight or whatever. And then she would go into the lab. She would look at stuff. She would relook at photos. And this intuitive thinking would blossom. Now, I use that show because sometimes it, it's, it's as simple as being able to have two different sides of the same coin to be able to look at. And what I want to take, take from this to help people right now is that in today's world, you can't be just a Grisham and you cannot just be a Catherine. You got to be a Grisham Catherine. And it's not right, but it is what it is. Now, going back to this assistant trope, I was looking at it and I could see what the the guy, his name was Jason, uh, who was the, the manager uh, of this other guy, was getting at. What he was needing was both this critical thinking and this intuitive thinking to flow with him. And the young man was frustrated. He was like, I can't. He's like, I can't can't do all of this. And, you know, and I understand he was young and, and, and whatever. And that might, and he even says something like, this is not my strong suit. <laughs> but if you're going to have what is 
quickly becoming a coveted position of being an employee of anyone, especially in our today's society where everything is a gig and you and everybody pretty soon is going to have to either do gig work or open their own businesses. Yeah, you do have to. And that means that you have to be able to think past the instructions. You have to be able to have a critical eye and you have to be able to even anticipate possible problems. Now, I'm going to take these um, a few at a time so we can move through this because I got some stuff for you. So with that, I have done some uh, podcasts in the past where I've covered a few things. And two podcasts that I want to talk about real quick is uh, a podcast that I did uh, on inversion strategy and a podcast that I did on learning how to ask the, the necessary questions. And let's take them uh, you know, just really quickly um, and give a, a quick brush up with, with regards to how not to get fired or what you can learn from having gotten fired if you've gone through a scenario like this. And that is with inversion strategy, what this does is it's kind of like you sit and you meditate on the project that you have. And instead of trying to figure out how you'll deliver the project on time, on budget, everybody happy and all this kind of stuff, you sit and you, and you don't necessarily have to sit, I'm just saying, but you think about all the stuff that can and will go wrong. And then you go and you do a Grisham, meaning that you follow where the evidence takes you. And that means that If you've never done this before, you start to ask other people, what were some of the issues that you ran into? What was something that you wish you would have known before you started? What is any advice you could give to someone in my predicament? All of these things help you to gather that information. And what you're doing is you're doing the Grisham Catherine thing, uh, where you are critically assessing logically what you'll need to do to keep all of these gotchas from happening while being intuitive to be able to presuppose and get in front of what could possibly happen. And as I said before in uh, that podcast, is that if you actually start using um, an inversion strategy kind of situation, you're going to find that you still normally will hit your goal or you'll hit even a better goal. And this inversion strategy is used by a lot of people who have done a lot of great things, not just, you know, making a lot of money. They have done a lot of great things. And that is that they are solving for the problems that would prevent them from getting what they want. Because in their eyesight, what we want to achieve is already done. I've just got to figure out and plot the best pathway obstacle course to get around all the got you's. And that's where it goes. And and thus, hopefully you can see by me explaining um, inversion strategy that way as how you end up having the critical analytical as well as the intuitive uh, that meet together. And then the next thing is knowing the right and best questions to ask. Back to this new show that I uh, watched on Netflix, um, not once, but twice, or maybe a few times, the assistant was sent on an errand and they did 
the errand, the letter to the law, but each time something was wrong. They um, didn't check the dress. They didn't take the lead or the initiative to fix an issue. Um, and, and so the, it caused problems. And the, the guy, Jason, who was the manager, he kept saying, you know, we should not be having these problems. And the guy was looking at him like, you know, a little doughy eyed deer in headlights. And I was like, bless his heart, but you know, he's got to get on the stick. And the thing is, is that if you, if you are a order taker, you can't be like that anymore. You have to be able to, when someone gives you your assignment, you have to be able to work through all of the questions that arise And then you also have to strip away the unnecessary ones to get to the right questions. Because a lot of times the right question is not the questions that immediately come to to pass. Um, I don't know why, but I I keep going back to my writing, maybe because I'm in the throes of of writing some big scenes right now in a book that I'm working on. Um, But there is this uh, four question, I mean, not four question, but four step kind of uh, thing in the writing community. And, and the proper name attribution escapes me. It's an, it's the last name of a great science fiction female writer who passed away uh, a little while ago. But what the premise is, is if you get into trouble, if you write yourself into a corner, you know, or whatever, she says you should be uh, asking yourself the right questions. And uh, and then she says that you should come up with four, a minimum of four solutions. And she says the first solution is the lowest hanging fruit. The second solution is a little clever. The third solution is something that possibly a reader who is well-versed in your genre would have come up with too. And that will get a big eye roll from them. And then usually it's the fourth question or situation that you come up with that starts to open up the can of uniqueness and creativity. And what I'm going to say here is knowing the right and best questions is just like that. Move past the questions that everybody asks. Move past the questions that are just a little bit clever, uh, you know, just a little different. And move past those questions that people in your industry would come up with. Push yourself because normally when you come up with the right questions, those questions are questions that nobody else is asking. Nobody else is looking at it. And again, another um, uh, movie is coming up to me. I don't remember the name of it, but it had Cary Grant and uh, Doris Day. It's an older movie. And um, oh gosh, That Touch of Mink, I think is the name of the movie. And he's um, new. he's freshly met her. And, you know, he's thinking, you know, I'm a I'm an international playboy and all this kind of stuff. I buy um, I buy uh, companies left and right. And uh, but he's trying to smooth this lady because he wants her to go on a little getaway with him. And so he's like, you know, as soon as I finish up this last little meeting, uh, we'll be ready to just set off to wherever they were going to go. And he goes, does the meeting, he comes back, he looks sour. And Doris Day asks Cary Grant, the guy, she says, well, what, you know, what's wrong? And he says, I don't understand. He says, I've done everything I could uh, to get this deal done. And this guy just won't uh, sell us the company. It would be great for him. And um, 
she looked at him and just like, you know, out the, out the blue, it seemed so different to her that she said, she just asked him, she says, well, did you ask him why he, you know, didn't, I mean, she said, did you go and ask him why? And, or either she asked, did you go and ask him? Or she said something about, have you gone to ask him? And he looks at her like, no. And uh, she says, well, and then she tells him a story about her aunt refusing to marry her husband because he never came to, you know, ask her in person. He just did it over the phone. And she was like, I wouldn't sell to you either if you've only asked me over the phone. And so he actually takes her. They fly over to wherever the guy is. He asks him. They have a handshake. The deal is done. He's happy. She's happy. And he's like, wow, who would have thought, you know, that it would have taken something so simple? But I told you that whole story to illustrate that usually knowing the right and best questions are these eureka aha moments that you've got to work for. You know, yes, you can get to the point where you become well-versed in them, but at first they're going to make you work for them. So now let me give you a quick shortcut on how to start getting towards working on these best questions. And that is to start with knowledge experience instead of just informational knowledge. And what I mean by that is ask people who have experience. Like I said before, what are the things you knew, you wish you knew when you started? Or what are some of the biggest issues that people overlook? Do your due diligence by going to people who actually have the experience. So many times we see people that have theoretical or even book experience that spout out these things and teach it over and over. No one ever questions it. And then they have all of these issues that, yes, start to get you fired because your manager is going to ask you, why? didn't you think of X, Y, or Z? Why didn't you dazzle me with your problem solving skills? Okay. And so that's one of the things that uh, you need to be aware of. Um, Quickly, my my family uh, went to uh, Universal Studios this summer and uh, my sister who was over the trip, God bless her, she uh, had everybody's stuff ready and she was passing out these little sling over your shoulder backpacks and they were full of stuff. And I looked in there and I'm when I tell you everything that you could think of was in there, it was a little personal fan. Um a bottle of water, uh, I mean, insect repellent, uh, sunscreen, um, just a whole bunch of different little snacks and stuff like that. And I looked at it and I was like, this is brilliant. And she was like, well, yeah, you know, the kids and I, you know, because they live in Florida, we've gone all, you know, a lot. And over the years, this is the stuff that we've learned that you're going to need when you're in a large property like that. And I told her, I was like, this is brilliant. And this is experiential knowledge at its best. And (laughs) that was my first time going. And I'm going to tell you, I did not have a need for anything because she already had anticipated every issue that we might come in contact with. And it was brilliant. So that's one of the things. So let me repeat what we have so far, because I'm going to spend the last part of this talking to you about how to leverage if you find yourself in this kind of situation. Okay. So if you want to (laughs) keep from getting fired, what you will do is you will learn how to combine both critical and intuitive thinking. 
Uh, you will avoid becoming the assistant trope where you only follow your uh, instructions. Gone are the days where you can say, this is not my job. Gone are the days when you can say that's not my issue, my department or whatever. Nowadays, they are looking truly for jack of all trades and masters of all. And you got to learn how to do that. And one of the things that you can do is to know how to or hone your skill on how to ask the right and best questions. Remember that four strategy thing. Usually the first three, nah, the fourth and uh, the fourth and and subsequent solutions after that are where you need to be because that's going to break down how to get to the right questions and then look for experienced knowledge out there instead of just informational. Ask those people who would have a better sense of knowledge. You know, sometimes you can pick up a phone, but sometimes you got to walk over to whatever department it is. Ask for a person's um, maybe five or 10 minutes. Do something kind for them. Bring them a coffee or whatever it is so that you can get that information. But it will help you and hopefully it will help you keep your job. And that leads me to the last thing I want to talk about, and that is positioning. One of the things that I was able to talk with um, one of the people who recently has been having this situation, um, I talked with them about how to shift the ties and start stacking the deck for yourself. And the way to do that is to go over how to use the power that you can have. Now, in another podcast, I talked about, um, I think it was in the Restart Handbook uh, podcast that I talked about that. I talked about the different types of uh, power and there are formal powers and personal powers. And if you find yourself uh, on a job where it looks like uh, things are getting grim, understand that your company, your bosses, the powers that be hold a lot of formal power. And that formal power is going to be of the three meaning coercive. That's fear, threats, and the ability to fire you. Reward, that's the ability to give you bonuses, your salary, and all of that kind of stuff for doing what they think that you should be able to do. And then the legitimate power, that is where they are the recognized people appointed to their positions because the company said so, okay? But there is hope because you can enact personal power. Now, there are some personal powers that I want to talk about real quick because I've already talked about these before that you can use to actually leverage your own power to make yourself look good and all of this. And it doesn't even require you cutthroating anybody else. The first one is the one that everybody thinks about, and that's to become an expert. That means that you become superior in your experience, your skills, and your knowledge where you become, and I mean, I'm not going to say irreplaceable because that's not true, but you become extremely beneficial to the company such that to let you go would cost them so much intellectual knowledge that it's prohibitive. But if that's not the case, then there are other uh, ways that you can do this. And that is informational power and connection power. Now, informational power is going to be pretty cool. Um, although it's a short-term kind of way to do it, but what you would do is you would start to glean, gather, and not hoard, but protect <laughs> information that is needed for specific reasons, okay? And when I say that, um, what I mean is, for example, if you work at a uh, corporation where you do billing and you work in accounting or something like that, your informational knowledge might be that you 
go in and learn the system, the ins and outs of a certain area of the system that everybody glosses over. It's part of the standard operating procedure, but nobody does it. But you can become that person who is uh, uh, skilled in that and who, because that would be your expert power, but also you're the person who has uh, the personal contact to the software company uh, to uh, that makes this product where if you have any problems, he'll, he, or he or she will talk to you because you're friends, you know, that kind of thing. And that leads me to the one that a lot of people don't look at, but is extremely powerful and will help you to have leverage in keeping your job, okay? And that is connection power. Connection power is that power where you have influence by the fact that you gain favor, with other powerful people, meaning that you are a great networker. You do favors for folks with nothing, asking nothing in return. And you continue to do that. Uh, Think about this, the Mario Puzo's uh, The Godfather. You know, he wasn't asking for money. He was just doing favors. But when it came time for him to ask you for a favor, you know, you did it, (laughs) you know, you know. And so one of the, the, this, the, The thing that I like about this connection power is that it can be invisible. You can work behind the scenes and before they know it, you become one of the most powerful people in the place, irregardless of your title, your level, or even your salary. And trust me, having connective power is something that management always is trying to make sure of if they are good management. Because think about it, there have been uprisings. If management, say for instance, you have a person who has this connection power and say for instance, management thinks they're getting a little too powerful, so they want to get rid of them. There have been times throughout history where uh, the other workers have been willing to do sit-outs, sick-outs, unionize, and all of these other things because the person with the connective power was uh, in jeopardy. And so that is something that people don't take for granted, but that is something very powerful. And then the last thing I want to say before I close this down is after you start working on your personal power to make sure that your job stays in in contact, start working on your adaptability quotient. We've talked about that as well. Be able to change quickly and adjust to the environments. Have nothing sacred. Be willing if they say, Uh, we're changing the way we do everything. Don't murmur, don't gripe. Just be like, okay, let's get it. Get after it and do it because upping the ability, uh, upping your ability to change on the drop of uh, a hat, (laughs) that is only going to propel you and make you a very, very lucrative and highly sought after part of your company. Okay, so guess what? My time is up. Yes, so much. Um, This has been Michelle Spiva with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. I am your practical priestess of wisdom, and I am going to ask you to see me tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out 
by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.